Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, if you want to support us on there, you can. The show is free, but right now, um, if you do support us on Patreon, you get a bonus episode. I've been doing weekly roundups, but we're shifting to covering The Mandalorian. So, really excited about that. I'll have different guests on to talk about that. So, if you want to hear me discuss that, head, o- head on over there. Um, and I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Michael Cross, and Philip Barker. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. Uh, I, we have a website, a Discord, and a Facebook group. That Those links are in the show notes. I want to remind you guys that if you do like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Well, I've got a familiar voice on the podcast. I have Courtney. Hello. Nice to meet you all again. Yes. Um, it, I can't. It's unacceptable, in my opinion, to like have spooky season without you on there at least once. I, I, I that's I'm so flattered. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, you were one of the original voices on the show. Um, so gracious, you know, my <laughs> friends and family that are like, yeah, we'll help you with this. <laughs> but you also like I'll almost always end up on like the top most listened episodes. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, you got a lot of good stuff to say. You love spooky movies and you know a lot about them. I really, guys, I can't stress enough how much I really do. Like I have a playlist (laughs) lined (laughs) up for Halloween just to play all day. I'm not even like going to be like actively watching it. I'm just, it's just going to be on in the background. (laughs) That's the best way to do it, I think. And it's, I don't know, like some people don't do that or a lot of people this year are feeling kind of down you know, with everything happening with the yeah. pandemic, uh, understandably. Mm-hmm. But some people are like kind of forgoing Halloween altogether. Personally, mm-hmm. it helps me to like yeah. watch all these movies. Like you don't have to go crazy, no. but they're a good distraction. They really are. Uh, and, like there's ahead. other things that you can do too. I mean, I, I feel, how do I put this? I, I feel bad for people who think that Halloween is canceled. It's not canceled. You just have to change up what you're doing. Like go out and see if there are any like drive-in movies that you can go to. Do pumpkin you know, patches? Yeah, do something outside. Low attendance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like just do something that's. Or you could go out in camping in the middle of a spooky forest if you want to. Howl at the moon if you feel so inclined. Just you know. Get into it. It, it again. It, I'm I'm bummed. I'm bummed that there probably will not be any trick or treaters because I love scaring the crap out of kids. I said it. <laughs> I, I I have no, no shame in that it. game. None whatsoever. But at the same time, I'm not gonna let 
the spooky season go by without trying to have some levity in it. it it's just you got to just be creative with it. That's all. I totally agree. I mean, it's it's a bummer. And normally I would be going to like multiple parties. I'd have several different costume changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I would be get made fun of uh, at my job because they're like, how many Halloween? I'm like, well, I have one for here. And then I have another one with my friends. And then there's one more thing I'm going to. And it's like, you know, it, it just was never ending. But this year I'm probably not going to wear any Halloween costumes because uh, I'll be at home. But oh, go I ahead. Have a, I have an, uh, an octopus Kigurumi. I'm going to put that on. I'm going to get nice and toasty and then I'm just going to, I'm going to just act a clown. I'm going to do just whatever I feel like. It's not even going to be like a, an official kind of situation, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw the Kigu on. We're going to have a good time. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome regardless. And I know, I know it's super, super, super heavy right now, but find some levity in your life. Just a little bit, just to try and not, get bogged down by it completely i agree i have a halloween dress (laughs) that i bought on like amazon um i'll put it on at some point i don't know if i'm gonna (laughs) like party in it because it feel like a kigu sounds way more comfortable (laughs) so probably we'll do that and i do have a godzilla one yes Um, (laughs) godzilla or he might be a dragon i don't really know but hey i have one it's whatever exactly. you <laughs> I thought about buying another one, but I was like, Lisa, that's so extra right now. Like, no. you already have one. I have three. One oh, I you made do. Myself. Which I, three I do you have? Myself. I've got the... Oh, that's right. <laughs> I have... The one I made myself is a honey badger. And then... Oh, man, that's it, a throwback. Honey badger. Honey badger don't care. And then the octopus <laughs> one. And then I have a chicken kigurumi that I wear with my, my cosplay team when we do... Um, there's an anime called Zombieland Saga. It's super cute. They're like zombies, but they're also like idols, and it's ador. I I don't watch many idol shows, but I fell in love with that one, and it's so mm. good. It's so cute. So if you haven't seen that, go watch it. If you're well, Jenny would really like your chicken costume. <laughs> oh, I yeah. just whenever I see chickens, I just think of her now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's the um, queen of chickens. Yeah. Well, Courtney, we've kind of you've kind of introduced yourself a little bit. At least your love of kigus and. Mm-hmm. Uh, idol uh zombie idol cartoons but if you want to introduce yourself a little bit sure again uh again i am courtney you guys might know me from the american psycho episode i also go by victoria bain in my cosplay life uh if you're looking to check out some of the stuff that i've done my wig styling my costumes you can find me on instagram at vicky bain or on uh twitter at victoria underscore bain yes and yeah, you've been on the, you did cover um, American Psychos, probably your mm-hmm. most popular episode. Mm-hmm. And then, you, you know, we did the Black Coat's Daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did Session Nine. Yes, we did. Uh, yeah, we've done a lot of spooky ones. Um, yeah. Suspiria. Suspiria. I was thinking yes. of. Yeah. So quite, been on here quite a few times. And so you're back again to discuss horror. Back and again. Uh, yeah. Guess who's back? Back again. Um, and so my guest always picks the movie. So what movie did you choose to talk about today? Uh, today, we are going to be going over Ari Aster's Hereditary. And I feel weird saying like my guest always picks the movie because that's like 
half true i like desperately want to talk about this so <laughs> we're gonna call this a joint venture but um yeah so this this is ari aster's actually feature film yeah first, uh, the feature first film. one mm-hmm. yeah which is yeah, like mind-blowing by the way insane. like first movies aren't supposed to be this good no uh, but true to form i think it's wildly different or at least at the time was wildly different from what we were seeing in theaters oh, yeah. at the, in 2018 um, it felt incredibly fresh and new, so much so, I think, that it has become, it, it was polarizing when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I think as time has worn on, more people that didn't like it have warmed up to it. Uh, but I think it's it's just so, you don't get to have these movies very often, I think. Yeah. Especially in horror, where it's like yeah. something comes along and just like changes the game. Yeah, and I think normally, that this did that. Normally, uh, and I hate to say it because it's my favorite genre, but horror films get into this you know rut of following the same tropes and like maybe doing it slightly differently but this was like something that just blew it out of the water I think in in terms of how it was presented and how it was filmed and Mm -hmm. it's just it's so good like again I'm floored that this was his first like feature length film I, I agree. I think just from a technical aspect, it's amazing. <laughs> but then also he wrote it. I mm-hmm. mean, just so many things about it are incredible. And he got so lucky with the casting, too. Yeah. Which we'll get into all of that. But so this movie came out in 2018. And if you haven't, if this is your first time listening, um, weird one to pick for your first time. <laughs> but um, do know that we will talk about spoilers. And so you'll probably want to wait until you've seen this movie. But if not, and if you're still here... This is the synopsis. Uh, When the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter and grandchildren begin to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry, trying to outrun the sinister fate they have inherited. Yeah. Um, I love how misleading that is. Oh my God, yes. Intentionally. And I, I, you know, normally like I I read through a lot of different ones, but I was like, no, I like how misleading that is because that's what you went in with. Because I had, okay, let me tell you how messed up I was when, like, the reveal happened. Like, yes. the, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was thrown for a loop completely. Like, normally, I can kind of, like, suss some of that stuff out. But I I was completely in the dark on this one. Like, it, it took me by surprise completely. And, and I don't know, that might say something about me that I didn't pick it up, but... <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I, I disagree. Unless you are knowing what to look for, I I don't think, you know, now we're yeah. living in a post-hereditary world where like everything is about a cult. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I think the only inkling I could possibly have had was I read some article that said that movies were going to start being about cult, like really cult heavy all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's weird. But mm-hmm. I definitely didn't remember it watching this movie. No. <laughs> and like, even from like the trailers, I hadn't had no. an inkling of what could be happening. Like even the trailer itself was pretty jarring in what it showed you. Yes. I never, I d- could not have put it together. I don't know that I've seen a movie, specifically a horror movie where there were so many times in the theater where I kept thinking no that that couldn't have just happened because now what's going to happen the rest of the movie yeah like that kept happening over and over and I was like so disturbed I have to be honest when I left the theater Nick was like what did you think and I go I really don't know like I 
I think I didn't like it, but I don't, I don't know. He goes, what do you mean you didn't like it? And I said, I don't think I've ever been that uncomfortable watching something. I said, I was really uncomfortable. I was very disturbed and it it just, I mean, I can't stop thinking about it. And he was like, but isn't that good? And I was like, yeah, Yeah. but it's like, (laughs) it it forced me to feel an emotion so strongly. Yeah that I couldn't be objective. And so like it took me sleeping on it and then thinking about it all day the next day to realize, yeah, that's incredible that like this movie had me feeling all those things because it doesn't normally happen. It evoked visceral emotions. It was just like, man, I don't, I'm at a loss for like, I've seen it so many times since then. (laughs) Me too. I'm still like kind of at a loss of how to describe how I felt afterward because it was like, I was just so floored by what had happened, what I had witnessed. And I was like trying to process that all of it. And I just like, my brain didn't want to form (laughs) information properly. And it was just like, like you said, I had to like take a day to like process everything and understand what it was that I was like, feeling and what what was happening during the film and I was like man that is bizarre that was so well crafted and I I I immediately wanted to watch it again I didn't because it was still in theaters at the time but I was like just I I saw like the next week no you didn't (laughs) I went back and I brought people that didn't enjoy it they're probably if some of them are listening I'm sorry um but yeah like for me I think, okay, so a lot of times in movies, they, you know, someone dies and they play Mm -hmm. like sad music or someone's scared and you're reading the emotion on that person's face and you're kind of feeling that feeling with them. You know, I think, I think of myself as fairly empathetic, but there's a wall there, right? It's a movie. Mm -hmm. This movie, I felt what they were feeling, like to the point of like when certain things happen, I was truly disgusted and Mm -hmm. and, like upset. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know if I can like, that, it, I don't I don't like that that happened you it know felt it felt yeah it felt so real like they were they weren't like these caricatures of people they were real honest people like when um Annie is in the um grief counseling uh group yeah when she's talking about her mother and she's talking about how her brother had schizophrenia and how he used to talk about her, their mom, like trying to put people in their head, in his head. And um, like how not sad that she was, but how angry she was about it. Like that, that felt like I could, f- her anger about the way that her mother treated her and her brother was palpable in that you know everybody expects everybody like when something happens when somebody passes in a movie it's all sad and bleak and doom Mm -hmm. she was like indifferent almost about the passing of her mother because of how horrible she felt she treated her in her childhood and it's like you know that's something that you can understand in a way like you may not have gone through it yourself but like that's still like a very real response to something it wasn't that cookie cutter sugar-coated response to the grief as it were it made me think of I had a close friend that somebody close to them got sick or passed away and they said something to the effect of you know that they didn't want to get help or see a counselor because 
they were worried they were going to be judged. Mm -hmm. And I understood from that, from talking to them, that they were they were worried they're going to be in this situation where they're angry, yeah. not just sad. Yeah. And what's weird about that is that's very normal, mm -hmm. especially when, you know, mental illness or addiction or something or even just regular illness is involved. That's yeah. actually a pretty healthy, well, not healthy, but I guess like normal, like that's how you process stuff. Yeah. But it's so shameful because it's like, but you love them also. So why are you So it's angry, complicated. Yeah, yeah. Why are you angry at somebody that's dying or dead that you love like it's so complicated i thought that was really cool that they included that in this movie because i feel like a lot of people can really relate to that but um a couple of quick things i wanted to throw in and really i wanted to throw in more but just for the sake of yeah. time uh the i have a couple quick facts and the first one that i have was that ari aster liked utah for the film because he thought the mountains were beautiful and breathtaking but also menacing and mm -hmm. ominous. I was just about to say haunting. Yeah. There's a vibe. Mm -hmm. And I, I, when I saw this movie and, you know, I'm very like shining obsessed, which is weird now because <laughs> everyone is. And I don't know how that happened. Like, how come everyone loves that movie so much now? <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Like as a kid, I was really picked on for that. Um, <laughs> but I guess everybody that likes movies a lot is like my age now. I don't know what's mm -hmm. going on with that pop culture wise but mm -hmm. i think one of the things that i liked about that movie was the tone and the ambiance the feeling of it yeah. and there is something haunting about mountains i don't know yeah. the it's, isolation yeah, maybe something about, say, about that they're so isolating they're so like they're beautiful and majestic but also they're so isolating that's mm -hmm. exactly the feeling that's exactly it that's exactly yeah and so it's a perfect backdrop in this movie there there's a lot i think you know it's it's about grief i think mainly but there there's a lot of like isolation in the film too just you know metaphorically the way the characters uh respond to each other and each other's emotions but also you know where they're located um yeah. so i thought that was really interesting um and along those lines uh ari aster said that he wanted to make a film about suffering that took suffering seriously mm -hmm. and i think that's where like i feel like we see grief on scene a lot where it's like oh someone died and then there's like a you know sad funeral scene but this is like one of the few movies where like if you've ever been at a funeral it felt way more real like to a mm -hmm. disconcerting amount and also because you know it's like a mother she loses her mother and then a child and like her whole life has been sort of full of suffering yeah i don't think we're used to seeing like the like complete raw ugliness of that and you yeah. see it so much in the movie that it's literally like off-putting yeah it's it's like just it's real emotions and it's not it's not dusted very much with the the hollywood view like you normally see it it's 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 raw and it it's it's god it's just like when she's okay when after okay i'm gonna get into it here <laughs> yeah go for it go for it so after charlie's death annie is just gutted and she blames peter because i mean technically it is his fault right and <laughs> i mean let's just be real about that um and she's when they're at the dinner table and he's like being all sassy 
and she's like you know what i, I and like she, she's like reacting to him being sassy after what he's done like you know and i feel like on both ends that you know compassion was expected mm-hmm. but it wasn't there and that's kind of how i feel like that would have really gone like everybody wants to believe that everybody can be compassionate and forgiving but that 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 wasn't present there and i feel like that's a more real situation that would occur from a death like that i think what grief and trauma do to people is terrible Mm -hmm. and it's unpleasant and it's like you want to get as far away from it as possible Mm -hmm. like going back to that scene you were talking about with um the grief center Mm -hmm. when she shares her story i mean you see the other people in the grief group like tense up cross their arms look away because the stuff she's saying is upsetting yeah (laughs) and it's not really socially acceptable because like you said i think you're supposed to be like oh my god she was the perfect mom she was so good to me and now she's gone and instead her anger is like barely contained it's Mm -hmm. out of control it's taken over her whole personality and it's like you you want to like get away from it yeah and i think like it erodes like every part of her life yeah and yet at the same time it's completely understandable that it's doing that to her so how do you fix that because like the scene with her son yeah her reaction to her daughter's death is beyond and i told nick i was like i feel like this is the first time i really because like i don't have kids and i don't know you know, I don't, I don't feel that, but I can't imagine how, like, that scene kind of helped me understand, like, how horrible that is to lose a child. I mean, yeah. your family, and then, I mean, it's just not supposed to happen, right? It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, a, an older family member getting sick or something like, I mean, this is, like, never supposed to happen, quote, right. unquote. So she can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she's supposed to be there for her son, who, yeah, it's his fault and it isn't. We could get into that, which I'm sure we will. Mm-hmm. But her inability to be there for him because of her grief mm-hmm. is real. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because we expect, especially I think female characters, especially women yeah. in general, to be, to be like, able to do everything. They want to be and she kind of says that. Nurturing and, and, you know, caring and like shoulder the grief and, and at the same time, you know, comfort the rest of the family, but that's to to be blunt about it. That's unrealistic. Like it is, especially her life, which has been completely dictated by tragedy. Like, how is she supposed to be a you know yeah. high functioning, uh, stable mom with everything she's been through? It's like literally impossible. Um, and the father's like inability to even really jump in or. Or show her Hell. any comfort. Yeah. He, he, it's... he basically takes Peter's side almost in a way. And it's like, you know, okay, I, I understand that he does need somebody in his corner as well. But also your wife is grieving the death of her child. And it's like, but he, he doesn't seem to like be invested in her. He, he doesn't seem invested in her. Like he just. Right he sees what she's doing is like uh, or how she's acting is like burdensome almost to, to me at least i know i agree i think it's gotten to the point in their marriage where 
I think he's supported her and been empathetic for a long time. And he's at that point of like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't watch you like destroy yourself and your relationship with your children. And I think he's got like met like one foot out the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I That's- think if things had gone different, they would have split, which honestly happens a lot when a kid, when a child passes yeah, away. It does. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's equipped for that. And I don't know, are many people equipped for that? I don't know. There's a lot of like, yeah, again, it's like every character I can kind of put some blame on, but I can also be like, damn i don't know what they should do you know like i was saying that to nick last night like should they have sent peter away you know like should he have gone to live with someone else but then if he does that is that abandoning him to i mean what and i think the movie does a good job of establishing that like a lot of times from the outside we can be like oh well they need to do this or they need to do that but when you're in the culture of like that family and it's become like normal quote unquote to be so dysfunctional Mm -hmm. it's i mean it's hard for anybody to step in and fix it because it's like they're all used to like the whole thing was screwed up before grandma died and before um her daughter died but it's gotten like infinitely worse so bizarre like when after charlie has died and she's like I, i i think it's peter who's having like this weird like sleepwalking it's not really sleepwalking it's just like a very strange dream that he's having about this conversation that he's having with his mother and she says she just blurts out i never wanted to be your mother and then she's like oh my god i can't believe i said that and it's like holy shit (laughs) and like it takes this weird turn where you you learn this this like shameful secret that at one point she had slept she was sleepwalking and she like doused her kids with turpentine or like paint thinner and like and and it's like you you understand a little bit more why there's so much contention between peter and annie already because that's a batshit crazy thing to have happened and right it's just like you know it, it it's one of those things you're never gonna be able to fully get over obviously and then charlie dies and he basically well he's to blame and then he's not to blame but we'll talk about that in a second and you know taking that contention he's like you know well you're mad at me for killing charlie but you almost killed us so shouldn't i just be aren't we even now like that's the kind of attitude i feel like he takes for it and it's um it just it just makes for a very interesting dynamic between him and Annie and his father uh Steve. Yeah, and it, it's also, you know, then it's called hereditary and I think for most of the movie I took that to mean mental illness, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she blamed a lot of stuff on her mother. Um and she from her stories was clearly mentally ill. And now it sounds like she's exhibiting those same exact toxic behaviors and um, but also just regular, you know, illness. So it's like, how do you like, how do you navigate that? I mean, what are we allowed to be upset at her for? What is she responsible for? It becomes 
really complicated. Yeah. And um, then because, the yeah, truth, and then, <laughs> then the truth plot reveals itself and all of that shit goes out the window. <laughs> Which is insane. I was, oh, in the oh go ahead, go ahead. When I was in the theater and like the turn happened, I was like, oh fuck. I did not see that coming. Like I just didn't. And like all, all of the all of the stuff, all of the little cues and the hints that I had seen earlier on that I wasn't really sure what they meant just made sense. And like when I was like my brain was like forming the rest of the story, I was like, oh, oh, oh my God. Oh my God, I had no idea. Like, yeah, like it was hectic for a while there. At the end of the movie, it just goes full force into like the madness that has been lying beneath the surface and again like you said you think you're going one way with you know family inherited mental illness and then it's just it's just not even about that yeah it's like with no question there is some of that there and the grief is real but there's something else happening and it is it makes everything else makes sense it puts the entire movie under a different lens yeah. and then when you go back and watch it again you're like oh well shit. how did i not see this yeah but her instability um as like a plot device i guess is a really great red herring i mm-hmm. mean mm-hmm. it justifies everything she does um you and know then, everything and then yeah. it's like and she's then there's, actually the there's cult shit. yeah <laughs> And then, and then there's creepy cult shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and when we were talking, this is sort of me backtracking a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, so like the house uh, constructed, you know, on sets and a, sa- yeah. a soundstage in Utah so that, yeah. you know, all these shots would be impossible if it were not a set, which again, kind of makes it like The Shining in that way where there was a building, but almost yeah. all of it is a set just because of the shots that they're able to achieve mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's specifically in this case to make the miniatures yeah. um work with this movie which we haven't even gotten into annie's oh, miniatures yeah, yeah. but we should talk about that too so yeah annie is her profession she's a miniature artist and her latest collection is basically a, a, a chronicle of her life with her mother and the grief that she goes through and like you know the birth of her daughter versus like you know because at one point she does say like you know when i had peter i didn't want to give him to my mother so Mm -hmm. i gave her charlie and there's a lot of weird son stuff in this movie (laughs) at first i was confused at that that statement like what does she mean and then later in depicted in the miniatures you see a, a miniature of annie standing by while her mother is breastfeeding Charlie. And you're like, that is super bizarre. But then you realize later that that was by design because, again, with the cult shit, uh, (laughs) because Annie's mother was like, it's hard to, I I don't want to know, I don't know if I want to call her like the high priestess or like the, the queen of this cult or like the chosen of the cult, but she was an important figure in the cult. And so her taking care of and and basically grooming Charlie to be the vessel for 
Payman, the demon that we find out about later, is it makes sense. It, like when you see the miniature and then you come to terms with what's actually happening, it makes sense then. But in its context early on in the movie, you're just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, and then there's also the added element of the the miniatures in the film have two purposes. One, they tell us a little bit about Annie, about her family through these miniatures. But then there are several sh really awesome shots in the movie where we pull out from the miniature and we're in the house. Mm -hmm. Because the house is designed to look like the miniatures. I mean, the house in the I mean, the stage <laughs> is designed. And so they kind of splice back and forth several times in the movie. And it gives this weird effect in the movie of like making people seem like small and isolated in the space. And it just adds like a creep factor mm -hmm. every time that's used too. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And then well, it's like, go ahead. Sorry. Um, but so uh, when the reveal of the cult shit happens. So, okay, let me back up because when Annie is at the grief center, she runs into this woman named Joan and Joan seems like somebody who cares and it's kind of out of left field. And she's like, you know, trying to, to offer her own comfort for Annie and they kind of meet a couple of different times. And when everything is like popping off, as I like to say, uh, <laughs> she shows her like this, this trick to contact the dead. And I'm like, Oh, Whoa, what? And at first I'm like, wow, that's bizarre. And then what you realize is that the, the spirit quote unquote, that Joan is talking to isn't actually just a random spirit. It's payment. It's the entity right. of payment. And the reason why, uh, so Gosh, there's so much to go through. Like <laughs> I know. I'm I'm actually thinking too, like with the Joan character. So Tony Collette's character Annie is in in an incredibly uh vulnerable state right now because she is grieving and she's actually like lying to her family. She goes to that grief thing one time mm -hmm. and then she starts lying to her husband and she's really just getting art supplies and doing just getting away. Mm-hmm. And then she meets Joni, and Joni is really the only person that can connect with her. I mean, Annie doesn't have friends. Yeah. You know, that's clear, because we would we would have seen them at some point. We don't. She's isolated. And she's isolated in her grief. And then here's this woman that lost a son. So they're in a bizarre club together of people that have lost their kids. Yeah. Um, that makes, again, Annie very vulnerable because... She's desperate. She's lonely. And then, wow, here comes a person out of thin air that knows exactly how I'm feeling. And then that person asks her to do some strange things. Normally, mm -hmm. if she were not grieving and not vulnerable, she would have been like, hey, no. this is weird. I don't yeah. want to do this. But she's desperate to believe this woman who she's put her trust in. So, like, there's just layers of, like, messed up with that. But, yeah, yeah. she teaches her to do a seance to contact Charlie, but actually it's, yeah. it's a, uh, almost like a ceremony to contact payment and let yeah. him in. And then the, the thing about that is that at a certain point, Charlie slash Charlie technically is payment. Yes. And when Charlie dies and then that's the other thing, Charlie's death is horrific. 
and it was so upsetting i almost like wanted to get up and leave like yeah. it was just not like, supposed to happen in my mind i thought charlie was going to be in the whole movie yeah well technically and, charlie was in the whole <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like but the way she dies just yeah. everything the tension you know they go to this party and the mom is i think unreasonable about yeah. demanding that he take her to the party that was a bad call yeah, to begin with but culture. it was also to control him right because she's mm -hmm. like you can't drink now you can't have fun and it was like really lady like that yeah. felt kind of overreaching yeah and then she brings her to the party and he of course like any normal teen isn't a great babysitter yeah, okay no, like ditches her immediately <laughs> yeah and she's different and uh you Allergy. know not accepted That's yeah, they call her like the R word at one point, which she's, is not cool. She's also allergic to nuts, and there's yes. cake, and there's nuts in the which, cake. Okay, do you think that was an accident at no, all? No, it was not. All okay, do you think plan. that was Payman wanting to eat the nuts, or are there some I, cult I, members there? I think it was. I think it was one of those situations in which. Okay, let me let me explain it like this. I think that it was kind of in a way manifested by the cult because they had a hand in all of that the whole accident was was premeditated well, yeah because when he drives to the party and he goes past the pole she loses her head on later mm -hmm. the symbols are there symbol. yeah so there's yeah a, there's a lot of symbols that you guys gotta look out for that you see them and you're not sure what the hell they are and then you see the symbol on this light pole and you're like oh that's weird but and you kind of get the feeling that it's supposed to be important but you don't really think anything of it and then yeah. they're at this party peter's getting high and you know he's left charlie on her own and she's eating this cake that has nuts in it she's allergic to nuts she doesn't have her EpiPen, and she like comes to peter like i don't feel good something's wrong and peter's in a fucking panic because he knows he's messed up and he he's like trying to drive her to the hospital and she can't breathe and she's gasping for air and so she sticks her head out of the window to try and like breathe better <laughs> and then there's this dog in the middle of the road and peter swerves and he swerves too close to the pole that they passed earlier and it decapitates charlie and he's yeah. it's so like you're you're just it's 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 rough <laughs> that's all well, I his say. reaction yeah. to it like he doesn't uh, even stop to like he doesn't want to acknowledge that it's happened almost yeah he knows what's gone down he knows that his sister is dead but he acts like nothing has happened he goes all the way home and he goes to bed and they don't find her until the morning and then there's this hard cut to her head on the side of oh. the road and it's just like wow i did not think that <laughs> like you, you see people get decapitated in horror movies like a lot but you never see them come back to it like you don't see her get fully decapitated you know that it happens but then they do this hard cut to her severed head on the side of the road and you're like and covered like an ant already yeah, yeah it's yeah uh, it's super rough but the thing of this whole accident is that you find out later that it has been completely orchestrated by the cult they made it happen the dog that's in the road belongs to somebody in the cult oh i didn't catch that yeah 
it, it, it's it's yeah. bananas. It's bananas. And like and like every single part of the movie has something to do with the cult. You know, in the beginning at the funeral, yeah. there's a lot of unfamiliar faces there. Mm-hmm. And she comments on that that she's surprised that her mom had so many friends. They're mm-hmm. members of the cult. Mm-hmm. She never knew um, about it because why would her why would she ever tell her daughter that she was part of a cult? And then even even Annie's comment about her brother, who she said was schizophrenic and had said that their mother was trying to put people inside of him, that was true. It wasn't yeah. schizophrenia. It was true. It was just straight up true because he, her mother was trying to use her brother as the vessel for payment. Right. He prefers a male host. Right. So when we find out, like, a couple of weird things about Peter... Um, number one, I don't know if you agree with this or not. Nick and I were talking about this. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm divided. Mm-hmm. Is Peter her husband's son? I kind of wondered if he was like I, a kid that she might have had I don't know. earlier. I never thought about that, actually. Now that you think Only about it. Only but... because she didn't want to have him mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Right? So that kind of makes me think that may have happened in a weird context that she blocked out or something maybe um because she actively tries to abort him essentially yeah and the mother i think prevented that now it could be that that was because she knew on some level somehow she knew what was going to happen to peter that's what i think i think you think halfway through the movie she didn't want to have him but what it really was was she was trying to protect herself yeah um because she was being used to have a son to you might be right about that. the spirit no i never i never thought about that but you know what you might be right you might be right about that because he's a lot older too than mm-hmm. the daughter mm-hmm. um but yeah that's kind of how i interpreted it and then so she said she wouldn't let her mom have him so she tries to not have him and then she protects him mm-hmm. uh, from her mother she instinctively knew to protect him yeah because she knew something so, was wrong. right and so when she has charlie she's I guess worn down at this point and is yeah. like you can have her and that's why the mo- the grandmother is so invested in her is because you know she needs a vessel to yeah. put herself into when she dies mm-hmm. or to put payment into because payment's in her then she puts it in this daughter uh granddaughter and so that's what's been happening this whole time mm-hmm. and yeah the decapitating thing like <sighs> charlie has these weird drawings and also she puts together like doll parts with like severed animal parts mm-hmm. and you think she's just at first you're like oh this is just a super weird kid who does stuff like that because there's kids out there who do stuff like that and you're like this is going to be a problem later <laughs> yeah <laughs> but in truth, it's just the entity of payment acting as payment would act yeah and there's something about severing heads mm-hmm. and like putting pieces into someone else and it always has to do with like a severed head so like the drawings of the heads the bird head she cuts off it's a metaphor for like what's going to happen later and then yeah so this stuff happens that stuff happens with peter where you know we find out she almost burned him which again i think was her trying to save him trying to save him and her like let's just die so that we Mm -hmm. don't have to do this yeah um but then they contact charlie and then that lets payment in, which that whole scene is messed up. It's so too. crazy. It's so, so crazy. dark. And I feel so bad at some points for the husband. Like there are these scenes where she is just, I mean, he's thinking like, oh my gosh, you're, you're gone. Insane. Like your mother, like you don't know what's going on and I've lost you. You're like not the person yeah. I married at this point. Yeah. Um, 
and how do when when does he leave when does he get her help how does he fix it like oh it's just so having a terrifying breakdown when right it's so far beyond that and (laughs) like when she does the seance to contact charlie and then charlie like possesses her that's just payment oh my god that's so scary (laughs) payment needs like a temporary host before the final ritual happens essentially and so that's what's going on there and then like it, it so i actually i actually went up and i looked up some stuff about the actual demon named payman and oh like, cool there's there's symbolism in like the heads like the uh, there's offerings that you need to make to conjure payment and it's severed heads and there's a different actually that actually kind of ties in with also um the demon from black coat's daughter because it's kind of the same he has oh, okay a tribute of severed heads that he needs to to be manifested as it were and so like that was bananas <laughs> and like the the breaking down of like the the whittling down of peter's psyche to be able to make him weak enough to accept the the entity of payment is like it's crazy like when he's at school and he keeps like seeing things and hearing like that things. prism yeah which that's... also feels very like i think that's why another reason why i think it's in utah is because mm-hmm. i think you think of like utah or like colorado as like a center for like you know religious groups that are a little mm-hmm. <laughs> like off kilter mm-hmm. and, and also like kind of hippie culture and so yeah. the prism stuff kind of reminded me of that too that 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 light that you see that's yeah pay- that's payment that's payment like it's it's essence basically enveloping the situation like it's calling to peter peter's drawn to it in a way because he's supposed to be and then there's that that scene where you see that woman or is it joan or is it a different woman i can't remember but she's like she's chanting that she's casting peter out oh yes i think it is joan it is joan i think and yeah. she's like, I cast you out. I cast you out. And he's the, he's like looking around to see if anybody else is hearing this, if anybody else is seeing this. But he's already under payment's influence. So he's the only one who's conscious of what she's saying and can hear what she's saying. And he's like, you know, he's wigged out. And everybody's like distancing themselves from him because he's acting so weird. And he knows that he's not like it's not my fault that i'm acting this way stuff is happening but nobody else can see this stuff happening and it makes him feel crazy and it's necessary for him to lose his grip on reality so that payment can take over right i even feel like him getting high more than once in the film Mm -hmm. means something like he can't deal with reality so he keeps going to that yes but it's also like disarming him in a way too mm-hmm. like i think that's all like connected but you're right like and, and and as the audience you could also be like well maybe he's it's hereditary right mm-hmm. maybe he's maybe he's experiencing what his mother yeah and like the dad even says stuff like that like you're scaring him you're like giving him these weird ideas mm-hmm. you know so it's like mentally affecting him but there are things that happen that you're like um like that that's actually happening and then when annie is like in her what is she she's trying to she's trying to get in touch with joan 
and she's at her house and she's got like Joan's got like this like I guess it's like a welcome mat almost in front of her door and Annie notices it and she's like wait a minute and then she goes home and she's tearing through like all of her mother's belongings and she finds the pictures of her mom with, with Joan and all of the others that she saw at the funeral in these like rituals and then like there's pieces of like the 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 family like there's pictures of the family and Annie doesn't understand and she's like trying to make sense of it and it's so bizarre and like she's afraid and then like her fear allows payment to take over her body temporarily so that it can affect Peter more directly and that whole mm -hmm. scene at night when he's like in his room and Annie is like tucked up in the darkness in the corner oh my god Holy that honestly shit. scares me it oh and one thing we should mention <laughs> as we get into this scene because it plays heavily into it there's also a side plot of her mother's body is missing oh yeah um yeah Not about that no you're right um like after like a few days after her mother has been buried like interred into the ground somebody has vandalized the grave and like dug up the corpse and her husband is the one who gets the call about it and he doesn't tell her directly what happened and yeah he's kind of like well she's not going to be able to handle yeah her grave being desecrated yeah. but then as more details emerge i think in some ways he's protecting her because he's starting to think okay maybe she's doing this because yeah. she hates her mom <laughs> he absolutely thinks that she like when she was going yeah. to her grief counseling her the grief center session sessions excuse me uh she was telling him that she was going to the movies and right so he thinks that she dug up her mother's body like he's fully fully convinced that she did that when she didn't yeah <laughs> he just he he's in such such strong belief that she's doing all of these things that she's making all of this stuff happen because she's off a rocker essentially and then at a certain point he gets so caught up in it that he burns to death <laughs> well well annie finds her mother's corpse in the attic yeah and she's can't believe it and i think even as the audience oh, yeah. we're kind of like did she do that? Like, and then when she tells her husband, he's like, did, did you do this? Because it's like, that would be something that could have happened, right? <laughs> and she's like, no, I need to prove this to you that I didn't. Well, and like, even and, at a certain point, yeah. one time they come home and he's like, God, what is that smell? It smells terrible in here. And yep. you don't think anything of it. Like, you hear that and it's like, huh, that's weird. And then you don't think anything else of it until she <laughs> finds her mother's body in the attic. Yeah, and then I think that leads into the scene with the book where she's yeah. like, all we got to do is burn, burn this it. book. Mm -hmm. And then even though he's he was supposed to throw it in the fire and he refuses to, mm -hmm. but somehow when she throws it in, he burns up instead. Mm -hmm. I think well, it's both like a, of them do. It's, I think what it is is like a transfer in a mm. way. That and makes then, sense. Like he needs to be gotten rid of because he just he's he's in the way essentially. Yes, yes. And then that leads into the scene that you were talking about earlier with like mm -hmm. Peter, where she's like in the corner. Mm -hmm. Like she's like this is where it escalates. <laughs> and, and it's so weird because she's like in this white pantsuit, and I guess like the cult uniform that her mom wore. Yeah, 
Um, and you see Annie, like Peter is downstairs and he's happened upon his father's body. And Annie is like, well, even before that, she's in his room and he kind of senses that she's there, but he doesn't see her. And like, she's like crawling across the walls, ceiling noiselessly. And it is unsettling. (laughs) (laughs) And like later he finds his dad's body and she's like tucked herself into the corner of the ceiling. And you know, (laughs) there's that guy, there's this one weird dude who's at the funeral and he's like smiling at Charlie because obviously he knows what's going on there with Charlie. And I was like, at first I was like, is that the teacher? But Nick said, no, no, it's not. Okay. Um, But like he's there in the house and he's naked and he's smiling and it's (laughs) so weird. And then there's more naked people and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then it starts to like come together like, oh, holy shit. This is this is cult shit. (laughs) And yes, like it's so crazy because like he hides himself in the attic and like Annie is like pounding her head repeatedly against the attic door <sighs> like like just trying to get in and he sees like all of this crazy shit and he's like he's literally at his limit and then you see Annie again and she's like this is graphic but she's like sawing <laughs> her own head off yeah and it like, doesn't seem possible like somebody else is like pulling the string yeah like her body is, is possessed and mm-hmm. it's, it's controlling the movements of her body. And he gets so just like overwhelmed with what he's seeing and he doesn't understand it. So he just like blasts it out the window. He's out the window. Which I feel like is like that had to happen too. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't die, die, but he kind of has to like, almost dies. Like, yeah. yeah. He has to like be his his consciousness has to be at such a low point that payment can take over. Yes. And then is that where we get the floaty scene? Yeah. Like the mom's body. I was like, what? what? Like, exactly. I remember in the theater, people were like, people what? were like laughing because it was so <laughs> yeah, that's true. bizarre. <laughs> it was so you bizarre. And then he goes up there, like he kind of comes to or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he goes up there and everybody he gets there. up there. Yeah, everyone's up there. Um, the cult. And, like, sure. his grandma is bowing with no head. His mm-hmm. mother is beside her with no head. Mm-hmm. And then I think his mother's head is, or his grandmother's head is, like, on the... That, it's statue. Charlie's head. It's Charlie's, oh, Charlie's head. head. You're right. Yeah, it's that would make Charlie's sense. Head. That's the third head. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, that's when you're, like, oh. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I kind of had an inkling of what was going to happen. But then here I was, like, now I really get what's about to happen. Yeah. Like and he's like, not scared anymore. Yeah. He he's not Peter anymore. He's now right. Peyton. And she even Joan even says it's like we've corrected your female body and now you because like all I, I feel like almost since birth, Charlie has been Payman. Yeah. And like he does that the thing that she used to do, he's doing yes. it now. And that's which the, is unnerving. We didn't talk about that sound that much, but it is there's so many scenes in the movie like where someone hears it over their shoulder. It is chilling. Yeah. It's such a good such it's, a good sound. It's such a like nonchalant like just quirk that Charlie has and then you're hearing it disembodied and you're like, "Oh, what the fuck?" 
<laughs> which totally feels like a thing that could happen like you know when you're alone somewhere at night and you yeah. think you heard something and you're oh, like yeah. <gasps> you know and it's a familiar it usually is something that's like very familiar like sometimes people say they heard like their mom's voice saying yeah. their name it's, or whatever it's kind of like that but just always something creepier. familiar it's always something familiar but out of context yeah, can't be there, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not and to imply that I'm like always experiencing that, but you know, everyone <laughs> has at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. like, it's just one of those situations where like you realize that this whole time Charlie was payment. And the reason why, like, that, that the treehouse is one of those things that Charlie is always in the treehouse and like at the beginning of the movie her father scolds her for sleeping in the treehouse is like you're gonna catch a cold and she's like that's fine because she knows that it doesn't matter <laughs> like what happens to her body just and that's another weird layer of this movie too I think it's so female heavy mm -hmm. that you kind and, and like the villain or antagonist whatever you want to call Annie's character victim I mean mm -hmm. all those things mm -hmm. she's sort of the matriarch of the family and in a lot of ways she controls what everyone does and says and then her mother did that to her so you kind of think it's all about the women mm -hmm. but in the end it's it's all really about the men mm -hmm. because payment is male and really they're all like sacrificial lambs for him mm -hmm. which i think is a really cool twist because it, you just don't see the narrative heading that way at all because like even mm -hmm. the other you know, people that we meet from the cult, most of them are women. Joan is the only other main character and she's a woman too. So I think they do this misdirect. It's kind of like that joke where you're like, you know, I'm this, I can't operate on this boy. He's my son. And you're like, who is it? Mm -hmm. and you're like his mother. Cause we've been saying men the whole joke. And so you forget that he has two parents and one's male and female. Um, but in this case, it's like, we're directed with the female character so much. We don't even think about this happening to people. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good <laughs> man it, it this this movie threw me for a whole ass loop <laughs> yes and like also the creepy way that at the end they're all chanting his name and stuff hail payment and then it just kind of cuts out so you like don't get that satisfaction of like even knowing like yeah what happens what, next? what does that mean yeah What's like, going to happen? no idea and like i think too like when you watch some of those um there's a lot of youtube you know i okay i'm not saying i'm dumb but sometimes <laughs> i need a little help oh yeah the ending explained <laughs> so i watch those a lot yeah or or even just like easter eggs you yeah. know after bly manor i went and watched like how many ghosts did i miss or whatever I, yeah I still need and, to so, <laughs> and so like i watched a bunch of these and if you go back and watch the movie like the cult i think is basically in charge of that whole town yeah they like, are they're so ingrained in everything they there's not a single part of that town that they don't touch because i think also like i know that the um the smiling guy isn't the same guy but i also think that the teacher uh peter's teacher is part of it too because like all this crazy shit happens and he's like kind of nonchalant about it a little bit yeah and like i think even maybe I'd have to go back and see, but his girlfriend character in the movie, mm -hmm. I feel like, is involved. There's a boy that I've heard is definitely in some of the cult scenes, like mm -hmm. one of his friends. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe even the girl, like, she's so taken with him and likes him so much, even though he's acting completely bizarre, it could be that she knows who he is. Yeah. It's you so... Know? I have it's to go... weird. I, like I said, I've seen it a whole bunch of times, but I'm going to have to go watch <laughs> it again just to just to immerse myself in it because it was... Like, let me, let me just say, let me just say... 
I have, he's only done two feature films, but both of them are just mwah, mwah. Just, They're like, don't plan to do stuff after you watch it because you're just spending the whole day like yeah. in a trance. You're like, gonna be what did I just watch? <laughs> messed up afterwards. Yeah, Midsommar, like, oh. I think I told you I saw it with uh, Amanda and Curtis. Yes. And right after, Curtis was like, I was going to invite you all over, but I actually just, I just want to go home. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> just num, 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 num. He's like, I'm just going to go home and think about my life. You know? Like, yeah. Because Midsommar is... It's totally different. Like, I kind of like this one a little bit more, and I'm biased. Mm -hmm. I just like the house stuff. I like the miniature stuff. I like the stuff that kind of reminds me of The Shining. Mm -hmm. So that puts it a little bit higher. But when I say it's higher, it's like barely because they're (laughs) such different films. Yeah. Like, even though they're both about cults, folk folk cult horror is definitely in a, a different. At least to me, in a different sort yeah. of genre than just regular cult shit, because it's just it's a whole nother. Because normally, when you have just like a regular cult, it's a small-ish group of people. But when you have folk cults, it's a whole ass community. It's towns. Yes, it's like everybody knows that this is happening and everybody goes along with it there's nobody there who's not in on it except the unwitting victims essentially yeah hereditary is a very small plot um you get the sense that this family is being controlled by the cult but if they knew what was happening they could possibly get away yeah whereas midsommar is like good luck with that um you know Mm -hmm. like you're all doomed um yeah, it's, man, it's so crazy. And I, I think I like any movie where, you know, like we've been saying, we were thrown for a loop, we didn't see it coming, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where you feel like you have to go back and figure it out, and, like mm-hmm. watch it over and over and see more detail. Like, it's smart. It's just good. Yeah, it's a smart movie. And it's, I it's, get that it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. Yeah, like, no. People have had issues with it and i'm like i get that. Like, I'll see reviews that are like one star, you know, and I'm yeah. like, I get it. I you get just, it. It's not your bread and butter. That's fine. And I mean, it's again, I don't I don't have any ill will towards people who don't like this movie, like some movies. I, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, like, it's like not like one, that's unacceptable yeah, because it is different. This one's hard. This one's hard. It is yeah. difficult. And like, I don't fault anybody who doesn't like this movie. I get it. I completely get it. I freaking love this movie. This movie is like it, it, it's. I, I'm one of those people who likes a lot of like the old school horror movies. This has definitely taken a place on that like good list that I have <laughs> of movies yeah, that it's I have like, to watch during spooky season now. You know that you're going to go back to it mm-hmm. because it's like there's just not a lot out there that lives up to that yeah. for me. Yeah. You know? And it's like awesome to see something new. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, yeah. we're out of Hollywood's out of ideas. And yeah. it's like, this I don't was, think that's true. This was I fresh. mean, I yeah, this was fresh. This was hella fresh. And yeah, it, no doubt we go back to a lot of well-known IP, but this was like totally <laughs> different. And yeah. I, I even remember like reading that Ari Aster after Midsommar, he's like, I want to make different kinds of movies. And I'm like, no, make <laughs> this kind of movie forever. <laughs> but <laughs> Just because I, mean, I enjoy it so much. Even, even, even Midsommar, I feel, is still different than this. Like, oh, for still, sure, it still has its air of mystery, but in a completely different way. Like, it's—I mean, it it's, all it's, takes place during the day. Number yeah. one, yes, that's yeah. wild. We that's should wild to me. Yeah, I mean, that's very rare. Like most horror movies, 
you need the dark you need and this that movie shroud is all... of darkness yeah even even hereditaries it's in the dark like 99 percent of the movie mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it, it is very different and we definitely should talk about that oh, movie too. oh yes <laughs> but yeah yeah um well courtney uh, i guess this brings me to my last couple of yeah. questions uh and, and you've kind of already answered this i think but mm-hmm. what you know if you had to summarize it like what keeps you coming back to this movie in particular because it's so fresh it's so it's such a different a different representation kind of like in how the black coat's daughter is a different representation of like the possession trope yeah this is a completely different at least to me it's a different representation of the cult trope it's something that's absolutely fresh and you know you think you're going down one hole and you take a hard turn into a completely different <laughs> cavern of, of bananas that you weren't prepared for. It, it catches you off guard. Yeah, because I think a lot of times cults in movies, you know, we're watching someone get broken down, mm-hmm. seduced by, um, incorporated into a cult. Mm-hmm. And that's not what is happening here mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And so that's a different way of looking at it. And yeah, yeah and I agree. I think like there's so many visually stunning and disturbing it's like beautifully yeah. scary i love and how the shot absolutely like the the yes. idea that they had to do like all of the exteriors are just like on location but then the soundstage for the interiors that was a that was a brilliant idea because you, like yeah. you said before you're getting shots that you could not get in a traditional location shoot Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I mean, when I was talking about Blind Manor earlier, I can't imagine that those miniatures were influenced by this movie, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like you see that more now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. And also, you know, if I had to pitch this to somebody, I guess I would say it's, I mean, it, there's not a lot of movies that change like the game and the genre i guess mm-hmm. you could say like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of horror that is truly surprising and this was surprising it was what do you think absolutely like i if i was going to pitch this to somebody i would be like get ready to not be able to understand what's happening until the very end and eat maybe even not even after that like if you're ready for an experience that you're not like you're completely unprepared for this is the movie to watch yes because i think and i think that's why like people are in different camps because i think like you were saying earlier when you watch a lot of movies like this Mm -hmm. you know horror Mm -hmm. then you expect certain things and you're like oh and like i think there's a a point where it's like it's a thing that you love but you're also kind of like you know i kind of want to be surprised (laughs) and this actually did that (laughs) i can't tell you how many movies like on netflix or hulu or whatever i'm like oh i'm gonna i'm in the mood for some horror that i haven't seen before and then like i start watching it in like 10 minutes and i know exactly what's gonna happen and i turn it off like that's happened a lot and i'm like uh this is that i know exactly what's gonna happen it's gonna be this this and this and then that happens i'm like uh why did i waste my time but this did not that did not happen this way this this movie yeah. was like not even on my radar for that to to be so just like a visceral reaction a complete turn of events that that occurs in this movie is just so bananas and also i think like when you watch a lot of stuff like this you know i have friends that are like um and family mm-hmm. that say things like well i don't i just don't like being scared <laughs> and i'm like i i don't even know what that feels like yeah, because no i love being I'm, scared yeah because i like it's like a 
drug you like crave it yeah. and you don't get it like mm-hmm. most of the time i watch a horror movie and i'm like that was yeah. awesome but i'm pretty much never scared yeah um this, this scared me yeah this, yeah <laughs> i was scared me <laughs> i had really weird dreams for like at least a week after i saw this movie yeah and i was like bravo mm-hmm. <laughs> you know whereas other people would be like that ruined my week I, yeah i'm like yay <laughs> so i think that's another thing it's like when you are in that genre a lot then your tastes kind of change because of it like yeah you nothing scares you anymore you expect things so this that's probably why people like you and i are just so attached to it mm-hmm. um but yeah so courtney thank you so much for coming on Absolutely. Uh, where where can people find you uh, again if you're looking for me on the twitter uh you can find me under victoria underscore bain or on instagram at vicky bain uh i do a lot of cosplay stuff you're gonna see a lot of uh cosplay wig work from me and um yeah, uh, I'm trying to get into some Twitch streaming. It's not really going the way that I want it to just yet, but we'll we'll work it out. We'll figure it out. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, that that's me all over. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And you know you're coming back to talk about Midsommar. So, of yeah. course. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Thank you for having me. 